Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Last Drinks Podcast, a new conversation about how to navigate an awesome life without alcohol, reframing the cultural norms around alcohol in our lives, and hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Hey friends, welcome to the second recap of 2022. I have had just such an incredible and fulfilling and empowering and inspiring and just like wonderful time hosting this podcast this year. And I, you know, I just feel like it's really important especially as we come to the close of 2022 and start gearing up for what next year looks like to just pause and reflect. And so I have given myself the time to do that. And I've had a big old pause and I've just had a listen back and a look back on the chats that I've had with some of the wonderful people that I've interacted with through this podcast and so I have just a recap and it's, you know, it's a highlights. And to be honest, there's, there's too many highlights. <laughs> um, so I've just, I've handpicked in no particular order, just some of the stuff that, you know, has sung out to me that, and that has spoken to me and that I hope can speak to you. This time of the year, I think, you know, we're sort of in the midst of silly season and Christmas celebrations and a new year on the horizon. And it's really easy to get caught up in the silliness of silly season um, and it can be really difficult to to safeguard your sobriety if that's been your choice and it can also really make evident uh, the sober curiosity piece for some people during this time. And so I just want to encourage anyone who's considering stopping drinking in 2023 to do it. I, I can't explain it any more clearly than to say it will be your best choice. You will find your best self and the best part of you is on the other side of your last drink. This podcast is evidence. There's so many wonderful stories of people who have, you know, had their issues with alcohol decided that they were going to have their last drink and found so many great things. And that is a scary place. It is, you know, I've been there, I've sat there and, and it's, it can look overwhelming and really scary, but, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway would be my suggestion. So here's a recap. Um, the next episode that I'll be sharing with you will be my last drinks story. I think that I might squeeze one more in before then, but I will be releasing my last drinks story on the 1st of January, 2023, which will be the eight year anniversary of my last drink. And I feel like I've been doing this podcast long enough now 
that I should probably tell you my story, <laughs> tell you, explain to you how I got sober. Um, so that's, yeah, something that I'm excited about sharing with you guys. But for now, let's get into the recap. So I had an amazing chat early, early on in the podcast with Lisa Messenger. She is just a disruptor of industries. She's really phenomenal at what she does. Um, she founded the Collective Hub she disrupted the magazine industry and then she's, I mean, she's just a trailblazer, this woman. And she quit drinking a really long time ago. And we had a really in-depth chat. She shared so candidly about, you know, um, where she was at when she had her last drink. And we also talked about how she navigates social situations and how important it is to own your own sobriety. Before I gave up drinking, and I really believe you talked about the whispers in the universe, before I gave up drinking and I played with it, so let's call it sober curious, although I would not have known what that was or even if that phrase existed back then, that I used to say things like, oh, I'm not drinking tonight or I'm just off. I didn't own it, right? And I can promise you in every single cell in my body since um, that date, 8th of November 2004, not once in that time has anyone tried to make me have a drink so because I've owned it so resolutely so the funny thing now is because I stand in my truth um if someone says would you like a drink I say no thank you I don't drink boom and it must be that I exude such strong energy around that never in 17 and a half years has anyone said oh come on have a drink not once yet before I made that decision all the time people would always say oh come on oh come on so I really believe once you own something it's so powerful and you exude this energy and I think that in turn gives you that strength to really stand in your truth around it. Sarah Connolly is another wonderful human who I've connected with through sobriety not just on this podcast but we've done some work together um, over in the UK, funnily enough, we were both a part of the Mindful Drinking Festival, um, not this year together, but the year before. And she's wonderful. Her website is tappedin.com.au. Um, you can go and see what Sarah does. She's a great area drinking coach specifically. And when we unpacked her story, she explained to me how she committed to going sober by way of writing a letter to her husband and was very honest in saying that her sobriety very much saved her marriage. That's a, again, a really good question. Um, I was very determined to put myself first for the time, especially early days, because it was something that I wanted for me first and foremost. Um, and so what I actually did was I wrote my husband a letter um, and I wrote him a letter explaining everything. It was quite a long letter. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's like, did she write a novel in her spare time? <laughs> I, I think he's still reading it. <laughs> but um, I wrote a letter and I remember clearly one part of the letter saying, you know, this change can make or break us. And it's going to be hard because you're going to see a different side of me and we're going to have um, different challenges to the ones that we have experienced um, in the past. Um, but I did 
stress in this letter that this was my number one uh, thing for the for that point in time that it would come first above all and that he could choose to come with me on that journey or not but if he chose not to then that was going to cause issues and it, you know that probably sounds quite extreme it wasn't that harsh but I knew deeply that the that in order for my relationship to um, survive I had to be honest and I had to put my sobriety first and um, I'm very lucky that he he I remember he sent me an email or something it was an email or a text just saying I'm in and it was so beautiful um, and we've we've obviously had our ups and downs like any marriage but he still drinks but he has never had the issue that I did. He can have a glass of red wine and leave half of it. Um, he's just, it's just not in his um, biochemical makeup to over drink. Whereas I have a very different makeup and different approach, um, different response to alcohol. So I think the only thing that we missed for a while was we'd sit down sometimes of a night and have a glass of wine, but I, at the time I was using alcohol-free wine and I'd have a glass of that and he'd have his real wine and we still had those moments. So so I quit drinking sort of six months into a new relationship and we're now married and we have a baby and it worked out. Um, but <laughs> the first six months of that relationship was very alcohol-fueled because we were in the honeymoon phase and we were doing long distance and it was just like wild. And I remember making the decision that I was going to stop drinking and I called Glenn and he was living in Sydney and I was living in Melbourne and I was like hi um so here's a bit of a bombshell but I think I'm an alcoholic and I I need to go and get some help so I know we've only been dating for a few months but like are you kind of okay with this (laughs) he was he was wow. amazing. He was like, oh, he's like, whoa. He's like, I would have had no idea. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really good at hiding it. And him and my mum were the two people that I told that I was like, I've, I have a problem. I'm doing, I'm going to do something about it. And it's going to be a couple of incremental stages. And then on the 1st of January, 2015, I'm going to not drink for a whole month and see how I go. Um, and I haven't had a drink since, but telling him was so scary. Cause I was like, I think I'm falling in love with this person. And I have like a secret person that he doesn't know about yet. And so I have to put it all mm. on the table. And if he rejects me over this, this is going to suck. But that was worth the risk in a way, because I was like, I can't be in relationship with this guy and keep behaving this way like because this is just going to be just insane this is not going to end well for anyone so I was like I'm just going to have to be honest and if he walks away then I have to accept that because I can't control his response I can only control me and my behavior and I need to get it in check so I I should have written him a letter (laughs) (laughs) no I think your approach was was fabulous it was very brave (laughs) <laughs> well, I think because it was I it was like this revelation. I was like, oh my God, I've got a drinking problem and I need I want to sort it out and I need to sort it out and and I, I'm I was literally falling in love with this guy and I'm like, I've just I have to just I just have to freaking rip that band-aid off and tell him 
I can't tell him and he's going to be my life person, then I'm stuffed. Like I, you know, I can't tell anyone. Yeah. So it was, it's so scary. But, and this is for anyone listening that finds themselves in this predicament, which is very common. You get into a relationship, you have a, you know, like you said, your biochemical makeup is different to your husband's. So you can't moderate and he can. So how do you, you know, figure that out? But you have to be honest with yourself and you have to put your sobriety first. And if that person comes along for the ride, that's awesome. And if they don't, you can't control it. And that's just one of those things in life where we have to stop trying to control the things we can't control, which is other people. And that's why I think it's so important to hear how you navigated that, how your husband responded and what a great response. I'm in. That would have been (laughs) the most relieving text message for you to receive, surely. Yeah, it was it was so wonderful. Um, but I, I I also think at the same time, um, like you say, I I, would, I tried not to be too attached to it because I couldn't control his response. But ultimately, you know, I wouldn't have married a man that said any different. I don't think. You know, at the end of the day, you've got to be surrounded by people that support you and love you. Um, and that understand that for a time you're going to need to be a little bit self-centered because it is a recovery process and those you know if you're not surrounded by people who support you it makes it so much harder but I do think you're what you demonstrated with Glenn that honesty you know that brutal honesty really does set you free because once it's out there there's no going back and you're telling someone that you love who you really are um, and they need to know it all, the good, yeah. the bad, the ugly. Um, so, yeah, that was very brave and it paid off. This is my little life hack for anyone who is on the receiving end of somebody telling them that they're going to be sober. The person talking to you is about to become the best version of themselves. So stick around for the journey because when, and you don't know it when you take your last drink, you don't understand how amazing your life is going to get because you've never put yourself in that position before. But 10 out of 10 times, the conversations that I have about sobriety is once people go on that journey, it is like these compounded benefits year on year and you become better, healthier, you become more productive, you make better choices, like everything about you improves, not dramatically overnight, but one little thing at a time constantly. And it's the compounded benefit. So if someone ever says to you, I'm going sober, stick around because that person's about to become awesome. Yeah, I love that. So true. And I get so passionate about this because... I think one of the conversations I have had on this podcast that has had the most engagement or I've had the most sort of feedback on is my chat with Osha. Osha's just wonderful and his his sobriety story is really big and I just loved how just brutally raw and honest and real Osha got uh, in sharing his last drink story and um, we really got into some nitty-gritty stuff. 
Um, but one of the things that I really loved was um, what he found surprising in sobriety and how Osha has managed to hold on to that. <laughs> I didn't know that sobriety could be incredible, all right? I, in the about six months before I stopped drinking, I started to oscillate in the group of people and one of these people was this photographer. And we were out one night at this party and th- I'm, this party was bananas. I mean, Tommy fucking Hilfiger was there. And I'm terrified because I'm like, total imposter syndrome. I don't belong in this room. I'd been invited. And my name was on a piece of cardboard. Like they... I belonged there, right? But I'm in this room. Like, I don't belong here. You don't know how much of a shithead I am. I shouldn't be here. And I'm just hammering myself trying to be okay with all these people. I know you, I know you, I know you. you." And I see this guy. He looked like Tom of Finland, right? There's gay people in my life. There's gay people in your life. And Tom of Finland is a character from the kind of 70s, 80s. It's an illustration. It's a cartoon uh, um, caricature of the, the perfect leather man. Like, huge jaw, massive forearms, fists like house bricks, chest like dinner plates, you know, big mustache just beautiful and i'm like fuck you're real you're a real person and you're beautiful and you got sailor tattoos he had an anchor on his arm and he was hilarious and making people laugh and he was drinking water like what is this and he was (laughs) sober and he was this guy's super talented like he's getting the cover of this magazine and the cover of that magazine and hearst magazines is all over him and they're flying him here and there on planes to shoot this stuff like fuck you can have a career you can be incredibly charming and lovely and beautiful. Oh, God, I want that. So after this time in New York, which was a Saturday, I called him up on the Monday and said, hey, man, you don't drink. He goes, no. I said, you have help, don't you? I said, he says, yeah. I said, you go and hang out with that fellowship of people that help you stay sober. He says, yeah. Can you take me along? Sure. And so we went. You know, I heard my story come out of the mouth of a 24-year-old boy from Kansas. I grew up in Brisbane. And you're telling me that you feel exactly the same way when you're in a room full of people you don't know or, you know, you're in a job that you think is a bit above your station or your whatever and you use booze to get past that. Oh, man, I thought I was special. Ah, fuck. <laughs> I'm just a general run of them. Well, the good thing about finding out you're not special is that it's a, it's a common problem and there's a very clear path to a solution. And um, I've built a life in sobriety that I could never have imagined when I was drinking. How Mm. big my life is, how enormous, and I drank everything away, all right? The decisions I made, not when I was drunk, but like who I was as a drinker led me to make financial and relationship decisions that ended up in just wreckage for everybody involved. And it was quite sad. What I have built since then, what I have rebuilt since then is only possible because I don't drink. And the scale and the rapidity and how fast it's growing and where we're going is only possible because I don't drink. And I could never, ever, ever do this if I was drinking. When I started listening to other people, that the, you know, I call him my mentor, my doctors, my psychiatrist, my psychologist. When I started listening to those people and just shutting the fuck up and doing what they told me, that is how I managed to build the life that I have. It's breaking it down to that one meeting or that one step, that one day that you don't drink like that that's a pivotal moment when you decide that and then just to keep going and to not overwhelm yourself with all mm. of these never ever agains and mm. i even the label of sobriety is still a bit ugh, like it's still 
you know, I've been sober seven years, but it still has this weird feel in our society, which is why we want to have these conversations and normalize being sober. It's yeah, I I, ha- I have I, I have a, I have a real problem with our our community and our relationship with alcohol and the damage that this particular drug does. I'm not saying everyone should stop drinking. I'm I would just like us to have a, a really decent conversation about the impacts of this drug. Well, you you're a standout human, and and this story is um, it's a really powerful story and and I so appreciate you just being so honest and sweary and vulnerable. It's it's not me. It's you know, it's everybody around me, you know. I just mm. I just you know. And I I would just I would say if people are listening to this, they're listening because either them or someone they love is in a in a place that they're worried about. And mm. you look, you're not alone and there is so much help and it's fucking free. Okay, you know, yeah. it's free, and the helping another person is built into staying sober. I got taught pick up the phone before you pick up a drink. I called, I think one day I called like twenty three people in one day, twenty three different people in one day. Um, mm. That and every single person that picked up the phone was like, "Yeah, man, I can stay on the phone for ten minutes, no worries." And that helped me get through that day without drinking. Wow. And it. Because they were like, oh, this is good. Because I've been in my own head dealing with my own shit. But if I can help you, that helps me. You're never a burden. You're never a burden. And there's heaps of help. And you're not alone. It's so good. Thank you so much. Thank you for also surprisingly being like the highest swearer I've had on the podcast. You can bleep me if you want. No, I don't, I don't mind if you I'd... pull my swears out. No, it's perfect because you're just raw. It's so, it's a it's <laughs> such a great side of you to well, engage this is, with. You know, you know me. Like, do, uh, I am do I a, know you. When I'm on TV, those are jobs that I do. Okay, that's, yeah, and that's yeah, I that's think a, the, that's yeah. the Osha that people see, and this is the Osha that we're engaging with, mm. and it's yeah. it's great. If you ever need a non-alcoholic drinks fix, Irene Falcone is your gal. She started Sands Drinks, um, which is the online alcohol-free bottle shop and actually has opened since then, since the launch launch of Sands Drinks, uh, an actual physical pop-up alcohol-free store. But she, I mean, she was a wine collector she made a ton of money when she sold her very first, very successful business called Nourished Life. But when she sold that business, she found herself with no identity and really struggling. So as a wine collector, she decided to drink her wine collection. That's when she realized she should probably stop drinking. That's how she stumbled upon the idea of a non-alcoholic bottle shop. So... Really, it was Irene's last drink that helped her manifest her purpose and her next business, and it's such an amazing story. Do you know what's so interesting listening to you tell this story, Irene, is that when you sold Nourished Life and you were faced with, like, I miss my business, I need a new business, I want a new business, i got to find a new business, you manifested Sands Drinks in that very moment because you were consumed with the next thing. And even though you drank alcohol to cope and it spiraled and it didn't work, but if you didn't go through all of that, 
you wouldn't have walked into that bottle shop or the three bottle shops to find that non-alcoholic bottle of wine to then have that penny drop moment. And because you're such an entrepreneur, you've turned this life choice of yours for your health and well-being and your family into your next business. You literally manifested it. Oh, and it's crazy because I think about how depressed I was and how much I regretted selling it. And then like sitting with you right now today, I am so grateful for that for, for, for BWX to buy Nourish Life and for me to feel so awful because about about selling it because this new business is a hundred times better than Nourish Life, a, a billion times better in every way, in every possible way, even from, you know, Nourish Life helped people, right? But this is a new level of helping people. Nourish Life was females. This is men and women. I mean, this is Nourish Life, there was doctors that would argue that parabens, there was nothing wrong with them. This business, no one is going to argue that alcohol is good for you. Like there is just this business is, is, is so much growing at such a faster rate. On the other side of your last drink is this whole entire life, business, purpose, helping people. You know, all of this doesn't exist unless you take your last drink. And that is why I want to have those conversations about, tell me about your last drink, because your last drink is your first step into something that you can't even fathom until you take your last drink. And your story is probably the most literal of the stories that I've heard. Literally the last, I was drinking my last drink for all of the reasons I was drinking my last drink, stopping to drink my last drink, literally fixed all of those problems that I was drinking for. Like, you are so right. It's so literal. It's like every single reason that I drank. I stopped drinking and every single one of those reasons fulfilled. Millsy, Rob Mills is a good mate of mine and um, he he manages to moderate alcohol really well, but he did go through a really big season of sobriety after he had some personal crisis and a lot of sadness in his life. And one of the things that I loved about my chat with Millsy is he was saying, you know, all those things you think you can't do when you're drinking, you can do them sober. And it was really encouraging. Do you like yourself sober? Like that's that's a real like. Do you, a lot of people go. I I'm a better person when I'm drunk. I've got less inhibitions. I've got you know I can speak freely. I'm like you can do all that. <laughs> you can do all that sober. Like just get the find ways to get the confidence or find ways to get the the vibe up in yourself. It is possible, as I said. Whether it's I'm not saying before you walk into the pub you do some jumping jacks, but like <laughs> some push ups. I don't know. But there are ways to feel invigorated or surround yourself with um, different people. I'm quite extroverted. So if I'm around really quiet people, I'm quite quiet. But if I'm around louder people, there's more energy. I'm quite um, quite up and about. So once again, I guess it goes back to um, working out who you are. You lose the caring factor when you drink, right? You just do stuff because you don't care. Um, yeah. You can also not care <laughs> about what other people think. There's the dads like no one's watching. Um, you know, like you, you can still do that sober. It's just embar- it's embarrassing. It's just your pride and your ego that's getting in the way. But just let it go. Just dance. And finally, in this recap, 
I wanted to play some of my chat with my beautiful friend Libby. Who Libby and I actually did a Euro vacay together. Um, we used to dance together. We were great mates. Um, and we actually reconnected in sobriety. So she moved away for a boy. Turns out that was a great decision because she married that boy. And he actually was the person that encouraged her to go sober, um, coming on four years now. So Libs and I reconnected in sobriety. We had a chat on the podcast and it was just so good to just hear her story and how she got to a place where she realized that, you know, she was done with drinking. And she was really honest in saying that she was pretty skeptical about sobriety and did a bit of an eye roll at the thought of it until she stepped into the place of sobriety and now she is a complete advocate for it. I remember listening to a couple of other um, like sober podcasts about people who'd done experiments at the time and thinking like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound that great. Like, <laughs> But it actually is. <laughs> but unless you do it, you really don't know um, how good it feels. And honestly, now I like look around and I think I just, there's kind of a little bit of pride. I'm like, oh, no, I'm a little bit better. <laughs> Because I'm not, you know, I'm not drunk. And I I just from being able to remember conversations, like knowing, waking up the next morning and going, I, even maybe I did make a dick of myself, but I can remember that I did that. And I don't need to call anyone and think, oh, did I make any, like, did I make any rude comments? Was I mean to anyone? Did something come out of my mouth that shouldn't have? Yeah, and you just wake up the next morning with no. Oh, I think they call it anxiety these days. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, no, I never have to experience that again. <laughs> what a freeing way to live. One of the reasons that I became alcohol dependent is like no one told me otherwise. It's like we just mm. we learn to engage socially with each other over drinks, and then because it's so addictive and it's so poisonous, we just need more and more, and our tolerance mm-hmm. goes up, and then we need more, and then. I hope you've enjoyed this recap episode. I love doing these episodes because it does just give me an opportunity to to go back and to listen to the wonderful guests that I've had on the podcast. So I think I'll be doing a recap episode every couple of months. Um, it's also just a good sort of jump in point for people for the podcast. And if there's something in this episode that you've really enjoyed and you want to hear more about, then you can go through the back catalogue, find the full episode with that guest and have a listen. So. That's it for now. Um, I just want to say thanks for all the wonderful feedback I'm getting. I just, I love, I'm so encouraged by the messages of support that I'm receiving and the the thumbs ups and the likes. It's just really wonderful. If you uh, know someone who might be questioning their relationship with alcohol, send them this episode and, you know, just say, listening for a friend, sending it on, hope you're well. And um, I just want to say stay safe, look after yourself and look after each other during this season. And I'm, I'm so excited about what's to come in 2023. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at Last Drinks Pod. Ever. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 